Welcome to the Art of Humanity with Jessica Ann. Listen for fresh perspectives with artists, leaders, authors, and entrepreneurs. Explore creativity and consciousness. Evolve your business with the Art of Humanity. Now, here's your host, Jessica Ann. Welcome to another episode of The Art of Humanity, where we explore creativity and consciousness to allow you and your business to evolve. Today, I'm thrilled to have with me Gilberta Lukash. Gilberta is a native of Albania. She began cello studies at age five. At age 13, she won the National Young Artist Competition. As a result, she was the youngest student ever to be chosen to tour in Italy with the Skoder Symphony Orchestra. The highlights of the tour included playing for Pope John Paul II and receiving a full scholarship from the Padova Conservatorio de Musica. Gilberta went on to attend the Music Conservatory at SUNY Purchase College, Conservatory of Music, Manus College of Music in Manhattan, and Juilliard. Gilberta received a Master's in Music Education from the Steinhardt School of Education at NYU. She's performed for Vice President Joe Biden and was chosen as a member of an all-star orchestra with members of New York Philharmonic, Boston Symphony, and Metropolitan Opera to partake in the first major classical and popular festivals in Barbados. Mm -hmm. She's even recorded for Sony, Avatar Studios, Alicia Keys, Beyonce, and Ricky Martin. Gilberta, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. Oh, hi. Thank you for having me here, Jessica. It's a pleasure. So I'm going to call you Gilda for short. Yes. That would okay. be wonderful. <laughs> Gilda, is that's, my, that's my nickname. Okay, great. So Gilda, you're a cellist, and you got yes. into the cello at the age of five. Yes. Out of all the musical instruments in the world, why did you decide on the cello? I actually didn't. <laughs> it was my mother who did. Um, my mother was a pianist, and um, I wanted to play the piano. I had such an affinity for the piano, and I loved uh, listening to it on the radio. Uh, but um, the economic uh, situation of Albania at that time was quite distressed and um, even though my parents um, offered large amount of amounts of money um, to buy me a piano there was just no pianos in Albania so uh, the teacher said that according to my physique which was kind of tall and robust and I was um, a bit of a tomboy they said that um, I would be wonderful for the cello and uh, my mother said, oh, I've always dreamed of a girl, of my daughter playing the cello. There's just something so ethereal and romantic about a girl playing the cello. So, um, you know, since I couldn't have a piano, I, um, I started on the cello. And I was quite uh, natural at it. So I stuck with it. <laughs> it is quite ethereal and romantic. That's yeah. for sure. What is your most favorite part about playing the cello? Um, you mean what is my? Uh, honestly, it is in my practice room. Um, all those very private moments and those aha moments when I'm performing for myself and when I'm practicing. Um, at this age and and uh, and um, status in my career, I guess. Um, it is more important to um, please myself than to please the audience because I've, I've one thing that I I should give as an advice to every other musician out there who is um, I guess a young musician out there who is pursuing classical music and music in uh, 
as, as a professional um, uh, career is to please yourself because I've noticed and that uh, my best performances have been those where I've tried to please myself and play to please myself more than the audience. So not mainstream. And like I said, those moments, those personal private moments of me and my child in my practice rooms uh, are the most cherished ones that I love and I truly appreciate. And, and just so, I mean, just so the public knows, every time we perform a piece, even though you've heard it a million times, um, it's every single time, every, those, every one of those million times, it's different, believe it or not. You could never perform a piece the same way. And that is why um, going and seeing a live performance is so important for everyone, because you will never, ever get to see that specific uh, importance, I mean, the specific uh, performance in that time and that space, unless you're recording it, of course. So there's almost a sense of you're just existing in the now, in the present moment. Is it too private to share what goes on when you're experiencing those private moments? Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, the truth is there is no um, description uh, what goes on because there's this, this uh, like I said, ethereal, esoteric, uh, a very visceral um, um, experience of, of uh, performing and again, um, uh, when you play an instrument for so long and, and it becomes just part of your essence and your being, that you don't anymore, you don't know that that is um, a, 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 an outside thing. It, it is as part of your body, as part of your existence. So um, honestly, there's no words to describe the feeling of, of, this, uh, of this existence, of this being with, with this uh, instrument. It just becomes a part of your flesh, pretty much. Yeah, it, it is an amazing thing. It takes it takes a long time to get there, but once you get there, um, only truly performance people or, or people who have worked hard or, or and I, I don't want to say hard, but only people who have been classically trained in every music or any instrument or voice or performance or dance or ballet or acting for that matter, classically trained. Something about being classically trained that... You train for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours when you're young, and then you sometimes resent it, but then there you have that breakthrough, which there absolutely there are no words to describe the feeling, and then you all of a sudden realize why you exist. That's deep. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you were young, you started at such a young age, you put in a lot of time, a lot of hours. And yeah. um, did you always know that you were going to be doing this, you know, now? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, as a matter of fact, I was, um, um, I, there's no other way to, to say this, but I was kind of forced for my parents, my mother mostly, because she realized having gone through the same rigorous training that, uh, she realized that I would not have this uh, 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 this breakthrough, this personal existential breakthrough, unless you go through this um, pretty, you know, intense training as a young child, like we all go through. And frankly, I kind of hated the cello. Um, I liked the sound of it. I it was I was attracted to it, but just like any child, when you tell a child to practice for hours while your friends are outside playing. You know, um, you don't want to be inside playing this piece of wood. I mean, who would? <laughs> <laughs> 
Here's this big piece of wood the size of your body or bigger than the size of your body. You don't want, you know, you don't want to be sitting there and playing these horrible sounds. <laughs> when you when you phrase it like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in your child. So what do you know, you know? I mean, or I don't believe that a child truly loves practicing for hours on an instrument, even even though I was, you know, quote-unquote considered a, um, um, you know, an, a precocious child and, you know, child prodigy, whatever you want to call these names. I, I hate I hate labeling <laughs> because we'll, we'll go into later, you know, I believe that every person has, uh, uh, is, a, is a prodigy at something. They just haven't decided or they haven't discovered it yet, mm. what, they're, what they're wonderful at. You know, mm-hmm. and some people have the chance to discover what they're wonderful at, and some people don't have that possibility to discover. But everyone, and in my career, and um, I teach, I perf- you know, coach, I perform, I I meet various people. I do a lot of charity work and many different fields, and and I know that people are they have everyone has this this thing, you know, that, that are made to, but some, some people don't get the chance to discover it. In any event, I believe that um, even though, you know, you are a precocious child, let's say, and you are, a, you know, a child prodigy, um, nothing comes to you without work. So without hard work, you know, um, um, you know, let's say talent without work is nothing. In any event, so I really didn't like the cello, you know, but I was kind of forced from my parents, especially my mother, to practice. And then uh, from five till about 13, I pretty much just would sit down and practice three hours a day or whatever that was. And uh, then just couldn't wait to get out and play with friends and stuff like that. And um, it wasn't until 13 when I when I was chosen to perform for the Pope John Pope II in Vatican, and it was uh, that time was a big deal because um, um, Albania, believe it or not, was um, a communist country until late 1990s. Wow. So, yeah, so um, to be able at 13, when no one else was really allowed out of the country, to be able to go to Italy. And to perform for the Pope, and, and and I'm Catholic, but you know now, you know it, I have I have my views on religion. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm Catholic by religion, but I'm I believe in you know I believe in God and Jesus Christ. But I wouldn't say you know maybe Christian is a better way. I don't even know if that's right, but Christian is a better way to to label myself, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, but at that time to go and to perform for what was considered the God, the living God. I mean, and, and I realized that this, as I called it, this big piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound dirty or anything. No, no it doesn't sound dirty. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm just in a big piece of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> just wood. <laughs> you just play with the big thing of wood all day. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Imagine that. <laughs> What a podcast we have. <laughs> People are going to love this. <laughs> Jessica, I see a future. Um, we're going to completely make this into a big piece of wood and, and, and everybody's going to call the cello this big piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start a new trend for sure. Yeah, we're totally going to start a new trend and you know how trends start from the little, little, little things. But yeah. <laughs> I used to argue with my parents and say, like, why, why 
why do I have to do this big piece of wood? It sounds like wood. It's horrible. And, we, and, and the truth is that we had horrible cellos in Albania. So they sounded like take a big card, like big piece of wood and, and just try to, you know, play the strings on it, you know. And it had holes and, you know, Albania was very poor. Mm. Uh, I mean, not as poor as some countries that I've gone to and I've visited to, but you know, pretty poor. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, yeah, so um, then I realized how the cello that I had been playing since five years old and now I am at 13, you know, um, that would give me this possibility. And, and it as a, you know, I, I have to be careful what I say because, one, I don't believe in incentives in music education, for example, when when I'm teaching kids or something like that, or young adults, I don't believe in incentives. But however, sometimes incentives are so uh, profound and so cathartic in a way that they're kind of, you know, they, they are almost necessary for those who love music but don't see a don't see a future with it. Like for young children who might love to play classical music instruments, but but they will realize that you don't make so much money, so you have to have a passion for it, you know. But in any events, I realized that this would bring me and would open doors. I mean, if I if if I played for John Paul II, and then also, um, you know, he gave me a full scholarship, which, by the way, I never took, but it was there for why didn't two you think, Why didn't you take a full scholarship? Oh, because of my parents. My parents would not allow me to go to Italy at age 13, and oh. then they, they extended it for me to go to high school, which was... 15 but the truth is that albania would not allow me to um to attend a school at 15 years old without a parent yet uh, a parent would not be able to leave the country at that time because it wasn't democratic country yet you know so so i wasn't able to really take it however i would have been able to take it if my parents would have agreed uh, that i would have a um you know, um, some kind of, you know, uh, guidance or kind of, you know, but my parents, I'm the only child. So they, they said, no way, we would not leave our daughter alone in Italy. Um, but it was okay. At 18 years old, I sent some, I don't know if you remember some video cassettes. Oh yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you remember video cassettes? I'm not that old, but it's just like, it's weird that I'm like, uh, Albania is like 20, 30 years behind everybody else. I'm in 1990s, late, late like 1990s was, uh, you know, I sent a video cassette to a couple of uh, places in America because I had some cousins here in, in, in America, actually in Queens. And uh, they sent some video cassettes and they, uh, they gave me a couple of full scholarships. Juilliard included, actually, but, um, yeah, so then I had to do another, a few auditions, you know, and then, uh, yeah, I was accepted, so there you so, go. So you're an only child. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's always a link. Whenever I hear that there's, like, this child prodigy or exceptional musician, I always feel like they're an only child. Not... <laughs> yeah, they're usually... Why is that? <laughs> yeah, you're right. They're either the only child or the youngest child. yeah. Yeah, I um, I think what with Eastern European countries, um, you know, uh, there's not much, you know, there's, I don't know how to truly frame this, but there's not much 
else that is considered um, um, high class unless you speak 10 foreign languages and you play and you're truly great at, at an instrument and a classical instrument and or you're a, you're a genius in mathematician like a mathematician or a scientist or something like that <laughs> my dad was <laughs> um, so I think that being the only child there's this pressure there's this extreme pressure to truly make up for what would have been three children, for example, the achievement of th- the life achievements of, let's say, two or three children. No pressure uh, or anything. No, yeah, exactly. You would have to have that same kind of expectations from your parents because your parents expect so much mm-hmm. from you that, and, and, and they force, like, I don't want to say force you because I would, you know, uh, today I thank uh, God, Jesus Christ, or whatever. I thank God that uh, my mother pushed me and my parents pushed me to do this because I, I literally would not want to do anything else that I'm doing today, you know, especially since I'm making a pretty decent career out of it. But, you know, when you, um, being the only child, I feel like there's this pressure and, and this expectation that everyone expects you to do so well. And there's just, you know, uh, we are these introverted extroverts. I don't know if you know these things. Like we are, you know, we love other people. We love to go out. We love to have fun with other people because we're so lonely, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but we are such introverts because there's just this heaviness that, you know, we know we have to do the best and then make our parents proud and everything. Like, you know, there's just, especially Eastern Europeans, you know, they, they just, you know, there's this expectation that you have to be the greatest child. So, or, you know, there's no excuses to make, let's say, if I had a sister or a brother or two sisters or a brother or something like that, you know, there's... There's no one to blame but yourself. So, yeah, you're an artist. You're living and working in New York City, living the dream. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned you make a pretty good living. Um, yes. You need, <laughs> which is pretty remarkable. Congratulations. Well, thank you. It's um, tough work, though. <laughs> yeah, like you have to be super talented to be able to work on your art full time. Was it True. always easy for you, or did you have struggles in the big city when you were beginning? Oh, my goodness. I could not tell you how many times I've... I've cried for weeks. <laughs> Just I cannot tell you how how difficult it was. One, because you're a foreigner, you know, and, and uh, um, you know, I, I don't want to say that America is biased or bigoted or anything like that, God forbid, but, you know, you have to earn your respect in America and, and, and especially in New York where... Everybody who's anybody who's the best of the best comes here. Um, uh, you know, uh, like my Juilliard audition was, I believe, 326 people for two spots. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And That's I was intense. One of, yeah, 326 people playing pretty much the same, not pretty much, but that same piece as you. And you got and, the spot? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> right. But it wasn't, you know, it's just not that as much as, you know, it's not that you get the spot. It's just that, I'm sorry, it, it's more luck sometimes than anything. But but let's talk about how difficult it was. Um, you know, uh, Europeans have a very different, different technique from Americans. And, uh, uh, you know, to make it in America, you have to have the technique that it's, 
uh, desirable here in a way. So it's kind of like the same mentality with with um, in the classical world, for example. It's just very different uh, techniques and very different uh, music um, um, expressions, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so you have to kind of accumulate that knowledge and this knowledge and become your and still you're expected to be your own artist and to be individually you know, expressive, I guess, in, in performance. Because what sets people uh, apart from each other is the way we all have technique. Because once, if you play something from five years old till <laughs> 30s, let's say, um, you, of course you have the technique, right? But but it is the performance and the expressiveness of it that sets you apart from other performers. And so what I'm saying is that in America, you're expected to perform in a way that it is balanced between the classical uh, European way and American way, but yet be your own person. So it's a very difficult path, frankly, but, you know, it, it is still art. So you're not, you know, it is still you and it's still art and you do your best and you try always to find your individuality and your path and your your sense of self. How would you describe your individuality or your art? Like if you had to put it into words, what would that look like? Well, you know, it's so difficult to say that because um, especially in, in, you know, New York City, Manhattan, the melting Part of arts. I mean, like I said earlier, everyone who is the best really tries to come here. It's not anymore, let's say, used to be Germany or used to be Italy, but it's it's New York City. It's uh, it's here where um, the um, um, the forerunners of art and music and uh, you know everything creative um, begins. You know, and then especially since 1900s, it's always been New York, believe it or not, you know, early 1900s. And in art, in music, in dance, in performing arts, in, in acting, ballet, everything. It's been New York City. So how would I, would, how would I uh, describe my, my um, highly individualistic and highly expressional, like expressionism, sorry, expressionism, um, uh, I'm told, I mean, I don't know, I really don't like seeing myself perform <laughs> in videos, but um, I'm told that I'm super expressive. Mm. And when people look at me, the the even if I were, uh, which is sometimes not a great uh, um, compliment, but they say they love a music, but even if, if they, even, even if they were deaf, the, the, the expressions in my face and my body, they would feel the music through just by looking at me if they were deaf and that's in a way it's a compliment because I become one with the music and I completely forget where I am and it takes a long time to get there frankly but um, I completely forget where I am I perform uh, I, I get into this plane of existence that it's not uh, it's not here it's not there it's not in the future it's not in the past I just I am there it's just this this complete different existence when I'm performing and I always make my own story in each and every one of the pieces that I've ever performed you know I I do do background search on the composers let's say what he was going through and you know when, when I'm performing a piece but I make my own story and this is what I tell my students and uh, young artists that I coach um 
Whenever you learn a new piece of music, put a story to it. It's sad. It's happy. It's, you know, you, you make a movie out of it. And as you perform in it, you imagine that movie. And you go with it. And you imagine that story. And you put a story to it. And you sing it, you know. So do you put the emotion behind the story first? Or how do you frame the story when you're playing the music? Do you Absolutely. Uh, you know, obviously in the practice room, you, you play the piece. You kind of know what the piece is going to. So you, you have those emotions. And then you, you, you make up the story. Like, you know, let's say it's a love story. You, and it's sad. Because mostly classical music, it's sad. <laughs> um, you, you, you make up a kind of a, a story, a story maybe that you've experienced or maybe a story that you've seen, but you make this ethereal story up and you just you become this multi-artist mm. as you perform this piece because otherwise you will never have an audience if you are not completely expressing. Now, why music is so beautiful and, and, and performing music, like a, performing classical music, or, or, I mean, I don't just perform classical music, like I'm sure you've seen tango, jazz, I do all kinds of music, but every music, every type of music is, it's a story that uh, tries to capture a, a moment in time and in life uh, in the life of someone, in our life, in the life that you, in, in someone that you know, in, in a, um, you know, all we do is mostly um, classical uh, instruments, for example, all we do is try to mimic the human voice. And the cello, believe it or not, is the only instruments that come closer, closest to the human voice. So the cello is the only instrument that comes closest to the human voice. And with that, with saying that is the same thing as what I'm trying to explain. That um, uh, when you play this music, you it's a new story every time you play it. You know, uh, and depending on where you are in life, what you're experiencing. But if you don't put a story, a movie behind it, you have lost the audience. And when you have a, a story in your mind, in your in your sense of self, and you're performing it, people are so drawn to it, even though you're not speaking. And this is why music is so esoteric and so ethereal that it's, it's a form of communication. It's a different form of communication from what we're used to. I mean, just look at people walking down the streets of New York City. Everyone has headphones on, whether it's rap, classical, whatever. Yeah. Uh, pop. Everyone, that is a form of communication. But even if songs, even pop songs did not have words, but those chords, that music, people would still be listening to it. It's a vibration. Yes, it's vibration, it's rhythm. I mean, it comes from fetus. (laughs) When we were in... uh, in, when we were performing, pretty much, uh, the first things that you hear is your heartbeat, and that is a rhythm. So what inspires you? What are the rhythms and the beats and the different types of music that you listen to on a regular basis to get inspired? Believe it or not, um, you see, sometimes I hear people say, oh, you know, um, I want to ask you a question. People ask me all this all the time. And I want your opinion. What kind of classical music do you listen to? What period? You know, classical, romantic, you know, modern, blah, 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 uh, early period music. Or something. 
And because people say to me that they listen to classical music to relax. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, you say that to a classical musician and we all say, oh, that's so nice. But we all are chuckling inside because classical music, even if it's Mozart for babies, it's not relaxing to us whatsoever. It's so, actually, it's so passionate. It's so, it's this, it's, it's this um, um, secret language that we only understand that there's no way that we'll be able to go to sleep listening to a symphony. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but, but in, instead, my heart rate goes up, my, my expectations, I know what kind of chord is coming up. I'm expecting for that chord, for the resolving chord, and maybe, and maybe the um, uh, composer is tugging to my heart and is going three more chords before he, he resolves it, and it's painful. You know, to us, classical music is actually painful. It's just, it's, we experience it in so viscerally and, and, in, and in such deep way that when people say we listen to classical music to relax, we're like, oh, I wish. You know what I listen to classical? You know I, what I listen to to relax is yeah, house music. Oh, really? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious! Yes. It is so relaxing. <laughs> it's monotone. It has the same thing. It's very, it's very monotone. It has about four four bar difference and that's it and it keeps repeating and repeating and repeating it's so repetitive that has nothing interesting in it but it's great you know and you definitely have the that joie de vivre and and you just keep going and and you really have that fire in your belly and it's just so inspiring but honestly it's only because of classical music because you you understand the secret language yeah, you know the secret language. Yes, yeah. and honestly, and and and, uh, and I'm not saying that uh, normal people. By normal people, what I'm saying is the people who just listen to classical music for fun, that they cannot understand it. But they would have to listen to it in various forms, and and nothing touches truly a person like it live performance because I tell you I've done so much work in this you know obviously you know and in in recording studios and it is so digitized and it is so kind of fake and no emotions you cannot get the true emotions even if you record in a live performance you can't we we humans we are multi-sensory uh you know um um, people, you know, we're, we're multisensory. You know, we're lucky enough to have ears and eyes and mouth and body and whatever, and we experience things and vibrations through many different ways. And there's nothing, and I could not tell people enough um, that one of my main things uh, to tell people is please go in and watch live performances because. You'll understand. Go and watch a, a classical music performance, whether it's a trio, quartet, quintet, uh, chamber music, uh, symphony orchestra, jazz, uh, singing, dancing, ballet, modern dance, whatever it is, performing arts, uh, acting, anything. Go see it live. Mm. You lose about 75% when you see something in TV, recorded, or or are in uh, auditorily because we as humans really like i said we experience things very viscerally and we're bodies and we're energies and and we 
frequency in, in this life, you know? <laughs> so you, you get these frequencies and these, you know, this amazing surrounding uh, um, sounds that, and, and then you have your eyes and you see them. And you just, it's a completely different experience if, if from seeing something live and seeing something, for example, in, in TV. Where can yeah. people find you online? Uh, sure, at, at MontitelliTrio.com is our website, okay. which is M-O-N-T-I-C-E-L-L-I, so MontitelliTrio.com, and Facebook slash Gilberta, which is G-J-I-L-B-E-R-T-A-L-U-C-A-J, so Gilberta Lukash, L-U-C-A-J. <laughs> Gilberta Lukash. Yeah, Thank long, very long name. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Jessica, and so wonderful to speak to you. I'll see you soon. What a fun episode. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review on the iTunes store. Thanks for listening to The Art of Humanity. Please follow us on Twitter at It's Jessica Ann. Join us next week with your host, Jessica Ann. Evolve your business with the art of humanity.